All aboard the gravy train! Are you riding your financial planner or broker's gravy train? Your financial prospectus outlines how brokers are allowed to charge you hidden fees. Next stop, hidden fees! Want to take back control of your retirement income? Just get off at the next stop. And tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Talking about your family's finances. Boy, do we have a special show set up for you today. Look, a lot of you uh, uh, are voting, right? That's generally the audience that AM870 has. You guys are the smart ones. You guys are the ones that make the decisions. We just need more of you because generally you tend to be a bit more informed and, believe it or not, uh, a little bit more intelligent, uh, at least when it comes to the answers of politics. Uh, The reasons I think that the United States exists is because we have chosen financial freedom over financial equality. And there's always been this push. When you have financial freedom, that means you're going to have people that fail. In fact, you're going to have people that fail sometimes numerous times just to maybe have a chance at success. There is no guarantees. The only guarantees, as they said way back when anyway, were death and taxes. Today, it seems that people want guarantees for minimum wage. They want guarantees for uh, uh, certain rights that whether or not I believe you or want you to believe, it doesn't matter. I want a guarantee that I'm going to have a chicken in every pot. Does that sound familiar, Mr. Socialist? We loved him. How many terms? 16 years. It was the closest to the king that we ever had, Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, But today, today we've decided to do a special uh, show only because in the last 72 hours we were able to to get a hold of this guy who is a very uh, difficult person to grab because his schedule and his recent win coming off of the election is pretty darn impressive, I can tell you. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, as they say, Mr. Mark Moisier, special guest. Mark Moisier is the candidate for Secretary of State for the state of California, the place that I've born and raised. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. You know, one of the things that I'm excited about, uh, Mark, is the idea that we have a chance to win a few, maybe two or three, statewide elections and kind of bring the state away from this supermajority, one-party rule Uh, And I think whenever you have one party that isn't contested in anything, you generally end up with tyranny, especially when the the pushback, if you will, is that fight for financial equality, which means nobody gets to win. Yes, uh, very true. And uh, you are correct that there is a what I call a political tide change that's going on in the state of California. Uh, We have... You know, seen recently in an L.A. Times poll that 39 percent of California Democrats are feeling disenfranchised by their own party being in control in Sacramento. And that's what we call an opportunity uh, when you're you, you know that the tides of the ocean change uh, rather frequently. You know, the state of California has not always been a Democrat state. I mean, when it first signed a constitution, we were Democrat. Then we became Republican. We went back to Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. And it's really actually only been the last 16 years that California has been considered a deep blue state because, you know, in the 90s, we had most of our statewide electeds happen to be Republicans. But, you know, the the state of affairs here in the state of California has gotten so bad that even their own base is starting to abandon them. And it is opening people's eyes up, and that's creating a new opportunity, as you say, for some statewide uh, to possibly get through. You know, four years ago, Pete Peterson ran for Secretary of State, and many say he would have won, but for the margin of fraud in Los Angeles County. And you know, so that's a great concern. But you know, we have a whole new environment in 2018 with the repeal of the gas tax going to be on the ballot. That's going to draw out a lot of voters who normally would have sat at home on election day in a gubernatorial election race because they tend to only show up on presidents. And and, and I think when you say that we have a, a governor, a candidate, John Cox, who yes. actually has an opportunity to win as well. I think he and yourself and maybe a couple others from a statewide scenario could actually drive 
the right people to the polls, as opposed to others just staying home, and that tends to favor the the majority party. Uh, John Cox is a, a businessman, and that's right, you know, and so are you. Well, thank you, but you know he's a real businessman. I mean, he has a, <laughs> you know he's had massive amount of employees. I'm a, I'm just a, what you'd call a small businessman. Yes, but you know John Cox. You know if you've heard him on the campaign trail, he gets out there and he talks about how the most popular governor in the United States is Maryland's Republican governor, a state that is overwhelmingly run by Democrats, but they understand that they needed somebody with sound business principles and to administer the state. And, you know, John Cox has a very similar resume to the businessman in Maryland. And so that's going to really bode well for uh, California. You know, you're going to have Gavin Newsom, who is exciting, who, you know, has all these crazy things like universal health care that he has no way of how we're going to pay for it. And then you're going to have the sound businessman who's actually had to balance his books. And so it's I, it's going to really give the people of California a, you know, an opportunity for a choice. And we've actually seen that when there is a choice, you know, not two people who are really like each other, but when there's a real choice, that is what causes people to stop and think and yeah. go, is this who I want to be my next governor? You know, one of the things that, I, that I'm impressed about, and, and John talks about this as well, is with your background being an attorney, you've also been the young man uh, in your younger days who fought for the rights of people on, on some would say both sides of the aisle. In other words, you didn't just fight this big corporation against the little guy. You fought both sides of the aisle. When, when you saw an injustice, you actually stood up and took notice and, and used the force of what you were, what you were entitled to, to do. So uh, I want to give out our phone number, folks, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. As we continue with Mark Moisier, candidate for Secretary of State. So, Mark, tell me about your background briefly, a little bit about why you think running for Secretary of State. Uh, and maybe a little bit about what Secretary of State does for a lot of us that don't know. Yeah. The Secretary of State is the chief election officer of the state. So that's uh, – most people do not realize what does the Secretary of State do. I mean is it foreign policy like the U.S.? And no, there's no foreign policy in the California Secretary of State. We are the chief election officer, which means you're responsible for fair and honest elections, and that's all four aspects of elections. You know, The first part of every election – is those who are eligible to vote and making sure that only those people who are eligible to vote are on the voter rolls. The second aspect of election is voting day, where you go into your poll and vote or whether you vote absentee or these voter stations that are starting to pop up. The third aspect is the counting of the vote. And then the fourth aspect is the auditing of the vote, whether there is a public you know, public audit or whether it is the audit by the people. And that's a real problem that we were having a hard time with outside groups being able to audit our elections to make sure they're fair and free. So that's the first aspect of a secretary of state. The second aspect is the business registration. Uh, you know, there are many other secretarial duties of the secretary of state, but those are the two that are most known by most people out there. So I know that as a small business owner and, and a and a, guy, a man and, and his wife that own many businesses here in the state of California that we have to do our filings, our secretary of state filings. We have to, uh, if we're starting a new corporation, we have to send you the paperwork. Uh, even from a nonprofit status, nonprofits still have to go through and, and process in some form or fashion with the secretary of state. It seems to be a difficult process. I mean, I, I thought about getting a tooth pulled instead of doing a filing for a new secretary of state simply because the process can be long and arduous. Well, I like to say that the state of California is in the Pony Express days when it comes to our business registration. If you want to start a business in Nevada, it takes you about 10 minutes. I've actually met some people who say you know, they have state, nationwide businesses, worldwide businesses, and they say, when I got a new idea of a new business I want to do, I just go over to Nevada and I start up that new business. You know, the state of California had the franchise tax board has this eight hundred dollars a year fee, and so you would think we'd want to make it as easy on those taxpayers to register a business. So yeah, we can we, get that get that eight hundred dollar fee, right? We can collect that money. But no, in the state of California, it doesn't take ten minutes to register a new business. It doesn't take an hour like it does in the state of Massachusetts. 
here in the technology capital of the world to register a business takes three weeks. So that's in- incredible to me because there seems to be always a, a request for more candidates uh, to run uh, more employees for the state. In other words, every time we turn around, the state is underemployed and there just isn't enough people to do the job. And yet recently, a friend of mine who was uh, who is who is currently in political office said uh, there's an audit that shows around 3000 more uh, Caltrans employees with duplicate jobs. In other words, instead of just firing them, they were going to let it attrition. But but the unions and Kevin DeLeon and the, the folks on the left just wouldn't let it happen. They said, no way. Those are participators. Those are voters. Those are people that, you know, we can't we, we just have to continue to fund them just to fund them. Yeah, well, that doesn't have much to do with the Secretary of State's office, but you know, government inefficiencies is something that we need to pay attention to. I mean, but it seems like it runs through every function of government. You know, I picked yeah. Caltrans as an example only because they're state employees. But if if we have that much need for state employees, what's the difference in the Secretary of State? Is it ten more people would get it done? Thirty more people would get it done, or is yeah. it just purely inefficient? Well, there is a lot of inefficiencies because we're not doing the job. The first aspect of every election, voter registration. We have 11 counties in the state of California that have over 100 percent voter registration. Over 100 percent? Over 100 percent. That means there's more people on the voter rolls than are eligible to vote. So like in Los Angeles County, you have 144 percent voter registration. Okay, now the left is going to tell you, well, that's because people move from county one to county two or county A to B, right? Well, I said Los Angeles has 144. Orange County has about 87 percent. Why is it that Orange County can do the job of making sure that if you've moved from their county, you're no longer on the voter rolls? I mean, recently there was a FOIA request of the county of Los Angeles, and they said in 2015 and 2016, how many people did you remove from the voter rolls according to a federal procedure of how you remove somebody from the voter rolls? Sure. Who has moved from the county? How many people did you remove from the voter rolls in Los Angeles County in 2015 and 2016 because they moved? And what did they say? Zero. You're they, kidding. They hadn't removed a single person from the voter rolls in 2015 and 2016. What do those employees do? What do the folks do? They just sit around and take a two-hour lunch and come in at 10 and leave at 2 or something? I don't know. I, I there's people available. It's more rhetorical, of course. The people there are people available to do these jobs. Uh, my my concern is the Secretary of State was pivotal in the Bush v Gore or Gore v Bush two thousand yeah in two thousand uh, uh, down in Florida. Secretary of State is pivotal when there are certain types of changes that are needing to be made or decisions, you know, last minute decisions. So to have a, a conservative, somebody with constitutional values is very important. We have a call, Mark. Uh, we're going to pull a call up here on the air. Uh, sounds like uh, Jacqueline. Jacqueline, are you on the air? Yes. Hi. Hi, Jacqueline. Can you speak a little louder? You're here with Mark Moisier. Yes, I, I'll try to. Yes. Hi. I had a question. I've heard, and I don't know this is a fact, but I'm wondering, do illegal aliens actually, are they able to vote? I mean, is that happening in California? Well, let me tell you this, Jacqueline. Uh, we, let's start with voter registration. We know that the main place that the jury service summons gets their data from is the voter registrations. And we know based upon reports to the state that over – Five percent of jury service summons get returned because the person has put forth evidence that they are not a citizen of the United States and thus are not eligible to sit on a jury. That if if that five percent number goes over to our voter registration rolls, wow. there is a good chance that we have over a million people on our voter rolls in the state of California who are not eligible to vote. Now, I was talking to somebody just yesterday, and he told me that his girlfriend is a green card holder. And he told me that his girlfriend voted in November of 2016 uh, and that she had multiple friends who were green card holders. 
and they all voted in November of 2016. And so he told me, based upon his personal knowledge, that 20 people who he knew voted in November of 2016 who were green card holders. And I could just sit here and spend the next the rest of this hour telling you firsthand accounts of people in the state of California who have employees who uh, are green card holders who showed up at work in November of 2016 and with an I voted sticker. And when they asked them, how are you able to vote? You're a green card holder. And they said, I filled out a voter registration card and it was returned. Uh, you know, the, the state sent me ballot material, so I thought I was eligible to vote, so I voted. In fact, the state of California actually, uh, if you go in to get public welfare in the state of California, you're going to be given a complete stack of paperwork and, and told, fill all this paperwork out. And one of the sheets of paper is going to be a voter registration card. You're kidding. For yeah. welfare? Yeah. If you get public welfare, you're going to be told to fill out all the paper, and one of the pieces of paper is a voter registration card. Now, the current secretary of state is supposed to have a regular process that he reviews the voter rolls and removes from it those people who are not citizens. But he does not do that. He, when he was told to pass a regulation by the legislature on this fact, he chose not to pass that regulation. And as such, we know that just one of these public welfare agencies in the state of California has 450,000 non-citizens receiving public welfare in the state of California. And we thus know that 450,000 Individuals in the state of California have been told by a government employee to fill out all the information, which includes a voter registration card. So that's not that's not that far from the uh, that's not that far from the from the one million dollar or one million voter mark. I, I'm kind of sitting here stunned because when President Trump said there are millions of votes and uh, that are cast illegal and and you know the left just laughed at him. They said, oh, my gosh, another exaggeration. But it seems every time he makes a point that we push to the side and we kind of laugh and we say, well, you know, that's that's President Trump being a bit more on the exaggerated side of the conversation. Trump Tower was was a uh, was bugged. Nope. Turns out it was. Uh, he, he had spies inside of his administration's uh, the campaign. Comes to find out there's at least one, possibly two. There were non-voters voting across the country. Yeah, I mean, we, we Chicago. Have heard, we have heard there's a, a federal lawsuit going on in Pennsylvania where they've presented evidence of of over a hundred thousand non-citizens who have been voting in the state of Pennsylvania. There's a federal court case in Kansas where over fifteen thousand non-citizens were on the uh, voter rolls. You know, we're we're starting to see some pretty good evidence here in the state of California. Uh, of problems with non-citizens voting. Now, the media is just going to say it's all antidotal. But you know what? If you're that person who came up to me yesterday who knows 20 people who have said that they voted in an election who are non-citizens, that's no longer anecdotal evidence. That is actually Exhibit A of non-citizens who are influencing our elections, foreign you know, influence the, on our elections. It's funny how they, they talked about, uh, you know, Russia had $100,000 worth of or a few hundred thousand dollars worth of ads on Facebook. You know, if that were the case, you guys, if that made a huge difference, then why aren't you all drinking Coca-Cola? They spend a lot more money. Why aren't you all uh, drinking Budweiser or, or buying a Chevy or a Ford? It's very simple because advertising is just advertising. And whether it's fake news or whether it's real news, uh, listen, why are you all listening to, to CNN? Why are you listening to MSNBC? They should have zero listeners if that were the case. Because you can watch. Listen, I watch. I, I take the same story and I look at the L.A. Times and I look at the Washington uh, Post. And you can see the difference. You can see the difference. You can see the perspective. What do they choose to point out? These are real numbers. Now, you can say it doesn't matter. You can say it's not a big deal, but you can't deny that these are real numbers. Looks like we have one more question from uh, Jacqueline uh, on the line. Thanks for staying with us, Jacqueline. You had one more question? Yeah, I did. Yes, I, did. I do have one more question. So when I went personally to vote, 
um, I asked them, you know, do I need an ID? And they and and said no. And I said, well, why not? It's appalling as a voter to think that basically anybody can go up there and pick an address. And they said, well, it makes people uncomfortable. I mean, at what point? I mean, I thought it always you had to have an ID, and I know now you don't. But why not? I mean, why why don't they require an ID to to vote? Well, because the state of California does not have a law that uh, requires you to show ID. Uh, some states do have voter ID laws. The state of California has chosen not to. And let me give you a practical application. I'm going to talk about Brandon. He lives in San Fernando Valley. In November of 2016, he went to the polls to vote. And when he showed up at the polls to vote, he was signing his name on the poll book, and he noticed that his grandfather has already voted. The only problem is his grandfather has been dead for 15 years. So somebody actually wow. came in, signed his grandfather's name, voted for grandfather, and uh, next thing you knew is, you know, that's a fraudulent vote. You know, I could talk to about Burton. Burton lives in Los Angeles County, and, you know, he, he told me that uh, a couple years ago he went to the polls to vote, and the – he said his name, and uh, they said, oh, so are you so-and-so? Uh, no, that's my father. He is dead. Oh, go ahead and sign and vote for him. They did not say that. That's what they told him, and they actually did the same thing for his wife, uh, for his for, for his uh, mother. You know, it's like, oh, you have the same last name. You can go ahead and vote for him. And it's like, no, I want to vote for myself, and you need, to get, incredible. you need to get my dead relative off the voter rolls. That's incredible when you think about uh, poll workers and others that think that it's okay. We have to cherish the right to vote. People die for the right to vote. There are folks in the world who don't have this privilege. Why do you think Afghanis and, and Iraqis will stand in line around the corners and they proudly show that finger that has ink. The, you know, the ink on it because that's their only real way to say, listen, you can't vote twice because it takes a few days for this ink to come off. There are very important components to the uh, to the voting system that the Secretary of State can implement. Do you have a plan to eliminate, at least on, on, on such large systematic measure, the folks of illegal and, and other non-residents that are voting? Well, let, let's start, let's, let's back up a little bit. In January of this year, the state of Ohio was being sued. That's right. For being too aggressive in cleaning up the voter rolls. And the state of California joined the state of New York and with the plaintiffs and said, yes, Ohio was being too aggressive in cleaning up their voter rolls. And the state of California came out and said, here are 11 different government databases that the secretary of state is entitled to use to compare with the voter rolls to make sure that the voter rolls are as accurate as possible. Of those 11 different databases – identified by the state of California as val as valid use to clean up your voter rolls the state of California is only using 3 of them we are not using the social security death records and is that the is that the secretary secretary of state's uh, prerogative is that your job that is my job is i choose which databases we use to clean up the voter rolls so do you have the power to push for uh, voter ID, the power to push for a certain cleanup, uh, maybe even audit the books, if you will? Well, as Secretary of State, I, am, I do not have a legislative authority, but I have a bully pulpit. And as I get out there, like I've been doing on the campaign trail, highlighting examples of fraud in our elections, as I use that bully pulpit to uh, reveal all the non-citizens who are voting, the problems that we have, as I do that – what that is going to uh, do is put winds to the sail to the people to demand that their legislature give them more security in the elections. And if the legislature refuses to do that, then that means that we're going to have to do a ballot initiative. So as Secretary of State, I am the wind to the sails. I am not necessarily the one who actually has the ability to change the law, but I have the ability to give – Let's call it the documented evidence of why we need it. Well, here's the problem that we have. Uh, Secretary of State Leland, he was indicted. And then we get Alex Padilla, and he doesn't seem to be doing anything. 
it seems like every time we turn around, we have uh, corrupt Democrats sitting inside. Listen, I don't care who they are. If they were Republicans, we'd call them corrupt and we would go after them just as much. But for some reason, we tend to have this group of people who are using it as such a political hammer, if you will, or political tool that drives down one particular agenda. Instead of right or wrong, truth and justice, they seem to be using it as a tool for social manipulating uh, of the voter rolls. When we come back in a minute, I, I want to get an idea of how, hopefully, Alex Padilla and others can be held accountable during this next election because he's the one that's going to be overseeing the election of himself. Yeah. And there's a, a great uh, irony, if you will, especially if some of the scandals that come through this system tend to favor himself. Uh, I'm a little surprised that these that these numbers that you're giving us are so public, and yet the L.A. Times and um, you know Channel Four, Channel Seven, ABC, NBC. Why isn't anybody doing anything about this? I don't know the answer. When we come back, hopefully we'll get some more from you as we're talking to Mark Moisier. Candidate for Secretary of State right here on the Total Financial Hour. It's a special edition. We have them every once in a while for you. It's a great way to keep you on your feet. You're listening to me, Eric Hallaby. 888-99-RETIRE if you want to join us. 888-99-RETIRE. We'll be right back. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income. All right, we're back. Thank you for staying with us. Total Financial Hour. If you're just joining us, thanks for being with us. As we talk about Mark Moisers from California, he's a businessman and attorney running for Secretary of State. Uh, Mark, a little bit about yourself. You're an outdoor enthusiast. Uh, I'd I like a story that I read about you being um, trying to run a triathlon, triathlon uh, but you just kept having problems. Tell me about that. Well, the story starts off uh, probably when I was about eight years old. I remember a Saturday afternoon I was watching Wild, Wide World of Sports, and they were showing this event. Uh, it was probably about the third or fourth uh Iron Man, and they're showing this event in Hawaii where you swam 2.4 miles, yes. and then you did 112 miles on the bike, and then you ran a marathon. And I always thought that that was kind of a cool thing, but um, I had a bike crash when I was in the 20s, and I thought I'd never be able to run again. And uh, was doing biking, doing a lot of biking. I had a doctor said, "Hey, if you do the certain kind of tennis shoes, you'll be able to run again." Oh, wow. and I found out that I could run again and I was able to you know keep the weight off and run and so I started training for an Ironman and in 2014 I did I signed up for Ironman Tahoe and if you remember in September 2014 we had a lot of forest fires oh, up right, yeah. in uh, the Reno Didn't area they cancel that we were actually in the water they were just about ready to start the race and oh. they canceled the race oh you're kidding me and so we got out of the water and dried off, and I got oh, everybody's yeah, everybody's there, everybody's in the water, everybody's you know ready to start the race, and then oh they my cancel. Gosh. And uh, the the thing is, where the swim start was, and where your car was, and all your gear was, was about I think it was about twenty miles. Wow! So I got on my bike and rode, you know, just rode back to the car, you know, and you, hey, you're in that kind of condition. 20 miles is nothing. I right. Mean, yeah, you know, even carrying a bag full of stuff. And about 100 yards from my car, a freak accident happened. And next thing I knew, I woke up in the hospital. Wow. And they, there was actually a doctor, cardiologist, who did CPR on me at the scene and, you know, broke my back and uh, lost consciousness wow. for about a half hour. And so it was a pretty serious crash. But I walked out of the hospital about four hours later. It Holy was moly. it was not for about eight months before I could actually start exercising again. And because the race had canceled, they gave you a, another uh, another registration for Tahoe in 2015. So in 20, September 2015, I got in the water and actually started the race this time. And I got about a thousand yards into the swim when all of a sudden I completely cramped up in uh, my legs and d couldn't figure out what was going on. I just I, I just had to call for the lifeguards to pull me out of the water. 
And a nurse, I, I told what had happened, and a nurse said, you need to go get a blood test done, see if you're allergic to latex because you're wearing a wetsuit. Oh, no. Of and we did and found out that I was actually allergic to latex. And as such, uh, there was a couple things that had happened over the days before that my immune system had been very low. And so even though it was a small latex allergy, it just was the perfect storm. And, you know, at that point in time, it's like, okay, I guess I'm not going to do this. But a friend talked me into doing it one more time. And so about three months later, I went to Cozumel where I uh, started an Ironman, got the swim done. Got on the bike, 100 miles into the bike, all of a sudden my legs cramped up and my stomach cramped up. And so, luckily there was a tailwind that last 12 miles on the bike, and I, I somehow managed to get to the finish line. And I just sat in the tent and was like, you know, are we going to call it quits here? Yeah. And I was like, no, if I have to walk it, we're going we're gonna to get this thing done. And I was able to run walk it and finish the Ironman in 12 hours and 45 minutes, and it was quite an accomplishment. Folks, if you haven't heard of an Ironman, I'd encourage you to look it up. It's a very uh, challenging event for even the, uh, the most fit amongst us. Uh, you know, one of the, the concepts that we hear about the Secretary of State is the ability to work hard, to never give up, especially when you're fighting against a majority state uh, from an election standpoint in the opposite party. That's why I thought that story was pr- pretty fascinating. Because it's about not giving up. One of the things that is fascinating to me as a businessman and as a financial advisor here in Santa Clarita, a financial professional, my job is to, uh, as a professional, financially speaking, is to give people options and choices. And one of every once in a while, they used to choose, I'm going to move out of California. That's they've come to that conclusion well before talking with me. When I started it 22 years ago, it was one out of 10 would leave the state of California when they retired. Today, it's about one out of three. Ooh, this year, we've been tracking it one out of two. When they retire, they leave the state. Now, these aren't poor people. These are people with money. These are people with businesses. These are people that sell. They don't take a job. They just spend their money, right, at the hairdresser and the liquor store and the nail salon. They go to those. they, they, They are consumers of things. When you retire much more than a creator of a product, which is just what you want in a, an economy that wants to drive up wages. Yeah. And we are exactly pushing those folks out because small businesses, medium businesses, even large businesses like Nestle, Toyota, Frito-Lay, you know of these. You've, I'm sure they're, they're stuff in, in your research. They've left. Yeah. So – I think uh, the voting system, the business system, is the most broken. It's the canary in the bird cage, in the mine shaft, if you will. Uh, but we have one more question for you. I want to pull up. It's going to be, uh, I think it's Rita. Is that right, Rita? Yes, hi, I'm here. Hi, thanks for uh, staying with us. First of all, gentlemen, I just want, yeah, uh, I just want to say that uh, uh, the whole entire discussion you guys have is just really excellent points, and I was really drawn to the whole conversation, so I uh, wanted to commend you for that. Uh, but I Thank wanted you. to add to a comment that a previous caller made regarding the fact that they don't even require ID uh, when you're there to vote. E- even worse than that, the whole voter registration list uh, listing that they have of people's uh, names and addresses uh, that not only do people who walk in at the table can view that and, and look at that, but they actually put a second copy out on the street. That's right. Uh, where you are first pointing to where the voting is taking place, where anyone off the street could be reading my name, my address, wow. write that down and do whatever they want with it. Wow. And not only that, uh, we have to update that. We have to go out there and mark, because I, I used to do this. I used to work at the polls. We have to mark who's already voted or not. So someone could say, oh, look, oh, you're at, kidding look at all me. these people. They never vote. Let's go in. Yeah, let's go in and claim that that we're them. Yeah, you'd be the last-minute so voter, ridiculous. right? You, you'd be the one, you send in 10, 15 yeah, people. Yeah, you go in the later part of the day. That's right. Yeah, you go in the later part of the day, and you nail it so easily. And, 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 and come on, gentlemen, the, the reason behind all this is so blatantly obvious. It's so all these illegal, improper votes can be put into the system. You know, Rita, I heard it's something that said, when, when you rob Peter to pay Paul, you're always going to have Paul's support. Right. When you when you take from some and give to the others, the others are going to say, I think that's a pretty good idea. I think we should vote for more of that. 
Mark, what are your comments? Well, Rita, yeah, I got a couple of different outrageous. great comments here. And the first off is uh, I encourage anybody who uh, has YouTube to go and find John Wayne uh, talking about voting for his friend, Governor Ronald Reagan. And there's a YouTube video where John Wayne starts off, uh, I think it's on, you know, a pier uh, with his boat. And he, he talks about the importance of getting out the vote and how everybody needs to be responsible for making sure that their neighbors vote and that you go to the polls and you look at that list to see who uh, has voted or not voted. Uh, and then you call your friends up and say, hey, you need to get down here and vote. We, you know, this is a very close election. We need you, know, you to help us elect Ronald Reagan as governor of the state of California. And so you you know, it's a great video to understand why that list is up on the, up on the wall. But the thing is we're not uh, checking ID. And so it is being misused. And I, I've talked recently to a person who in November 2016, in one precinct in L.A. County, he saw six different buses show up during the day. And the people didn't go in and just vote. No, they walked to that list and they looked at the list and chose a name from that list of who they were going to be voting for. And they told, I'm taking this person. Well, I'll take this person. I'll vote for this person. And he saw in one day over 300 people cast ballots that came off of these buses that were just evidently going from precinct to precinct to precinct. And so it is a problem. It is something that needs to be fixed. And, you know, how big of a problem is it? Well, you know, I just gave you one example of 300 votes. I could give you other examples uh, that of a bunch of youth in uh uh, Santa Barbara or some migrant workers up in Fresno, you know, homeless people that are being taken advantage of casting these illegal votes, which dilutes the value of our vote. And do you, you, know, do you expect do you think there's going to be uh, there's going to be a militia, if you will? Uh, I mean, I don't know of a better word. Uh, poll security. Do you think there's going to be men and women that stand and act as some level of security or pushback so that there's somebody that's going to, to stand up for this because nobody else is going to do this. I think that that's my fear. Well, my we, fear we, is when the normal system fails, then that's when we get the extreme response on the other side. There is an organization called Election Integrity Project of California that is educating and training poll observers. And they have access to attorneys who are ready to go in and file briefs and, you know, and, and take care of the situation. So I would encourage anybody who, you know, really loves the integrity of the election, who wants to get better educated on the process and wants to volunteer one day, election day, to make sure that their elections are honest. I would encourage them to go to Election Integrity Project of California. And, and can, can and they so, be, a, can, can anybody go and do this? Yeah. Um, but, you know, with Election Integrity Project, they're going to actually train you on the election law. They're on the procedures of what's supposed to happen. And it's a sad state of affairs where we, the people, have to watch our government. But, you know, guess what? That's what we're supposed to our do, Our government guys. is we the people. The government is we the people, and we give authority to our government. And if our government is not doing that job, then it's, in, it's on us, we the people, to step up and make sure the government is doing the job right. And so I, the Election Integrity Project is doing a great job right now, and I would encourage anybody who loves – the fact that we live in a republic where you get to vote for your representatives who are governed by a constitution that pro prohibits them from just becoming a democracy and doing whatever the people want. I mean, you know, understand, Nazi Germany was a democracy. They were able to ride over the rights of the Jews and the poor and everything because they were not a republic. They were right. not a constitutional republic. That constitution is what keep, prevents us from be, from having a uh, Adolf Hitler come up and just trample over our rights. And so it is critical that well, we well, ask about uh, you know. Look, Mark, you got to look at democracies across the world. Uh, you know, s take a look at Australia. They had a majority, and uh, the democracy. It is. It was when I was in school, given to me in college, as the example of democracy. And yet you had the aborigines the, who were the minority that were being oppressed beyond most belief ever, e even more than South Africa in many instances. Certainly today it's better. 
But uh, your example of a democracy versus a republic, I think most of you need to go back to school and learn that we are a republic, and it is your responsibility. I would love to have you listeners, folks, you guys, go to the Election Integrity Los Angeles and be poll workers. Go to our Facebook page. Tell me you're doing it. We'll sign up and get a group of folks. Uh, we'll track it. We'll go over the rules. We may be able to even indulge Mr. Uh, Moiser to return Give us some examples. Give us some things to do. Because if you want to stand up against this fraud, against people, buses, this isn't, oh, back in the 1840s or back in the 1870s, 1890s, right? This isn't the Jim Crow laws or the oppressive Democrat-run South back then that were going after minorities and specifically African-Americans. These folks are doing it today, but they do it with a smile and a gift card and a uh, EBT card, and they try to buy and bribe with a free Obama phone on the other side to vote for them. You want free stuff? Vote for us. We'll give you more. No, we'll give you more. No, we'll give you more. And before you turn around, everybody's giving you something, and nobody's ever asking, hey, what is expected of me? And I think what you need to know, guys, is what's expected of you is to stand up. Because we talk about financial stuff. And Mark... Obviously, we can't brag about how friendly and inviting California is, especially to businesses and small businesses and large businesses. But we certainly have a high cost of living, a lot of regulations. Do you think if we clean up our election system, we could really see a change in the state? Well, if we clean up our election system, it's going to be easier for we the people to elect representatives who hold our values. When the special interests are able to you know, win these very close elections and make sure that their bought and paid for corrupt politicians are in office, you know, those, those corrupt politicians are not accountable to we the people. They're accountable to special interests. That's right. And we're going to keep getting a tyrannical form of government dished out on us from the you know, Sacramento, and it's going to make it harder to live here in the state of California. I mean our homeless problem is you know, through the roof. Uh, why? Because of the tyranny that's coming out of Sacramento, we do not have a free market. So if we clean up our elections, I mean, there are people who are telling me that the most important election in all of the United States in 2018 is the California Secretary of State's race. Because if we can actually get in there and clean up our elections in the state of California, we really bring our representative form of government back to California, which will have an impact on so the entire nation. So what can you do, Mark, when you don't have legislative support, you don't have the governor's support, you don't have uh, certainly the uh, career employees? We have been told time and again – I'll give you a good example. A friend of mine was a state legislature, and, and the Republicans uh, many years ago voted and, and agreed to one particular thing, and the Democrat vote agreed. They went back to their prospective staff, and they said, okay, draw this up. We agree to this, and the staff declined. They said, we're not putting our name on this because you're going to be gone because of term limits, but we're still going to be here. And the staff says, I have a 25, 30-year left career, so I'm not going to sign my name to this, so I'm not going to do it. You want it done, do it yourself. He, the, the representative said, what are, you, what are you talking about? You work for me. said, I, I know, but... Sir, if you don't know, we run the place. This was a career staffer, yeah, a very close friend of mine. I couldn't believe this. I thought, are you kidding me that the Republican and Democrat leadership agreed to something and yet their staff wouldn't do it? So how are you going to get in there and fix this when you have such an entrenched amount of people that are entitled to their free government uh, benefits and, and paychecks? You're talking about the deep state right there. I am in some form or fashion, yeah. sure. Uh, it has many different names, but, you know, people understand. You know, the thing is the Secretary of State is an administrative position. So I don't necessarily need the support of the governor and the legislature because the laws are already on the book. Everything that I'm talking about, all I'm doing is actually obeying the laws that are already on the books. Now, there are 500 employees who work for me. And I talked to Bill Jones, who was the last elected Republican Secretary yes, of State, yep. and he he came into office. You know, there has been a long, long, long period of time where you had had a Democrat Secretary of State, and she had uh, 
you know, time and again, yep. She, she had developed going. a whole thing. That's right. And, you know, he had to spend several years, you know, sometimes he had to transfer people from one department to another, and he had to develop relationships with them and, you know, really, you know, help the morale and, you know, reposition his office so that they, he could get the stuff done. And you know what? He got a lot done. I mean, he cleaned up our voter rolls in the state of California. He actually brought in, you know, a lot of the computer systems that we see today on that we when you go to Secretary of State's website to check on a business registration. Much better than it used to be. That was created by Bill Jones. Yes. Unfortunately, technology has gone moved forward in the last 20 years and the Secretary of State hasn't. They were relying upon all the work that Bill Jones. But Bill Jones modernized the Secretary of State's office so that way you, when you you could go see political contributions and that he got some stuff done and he was very creative in doing it. The job can be done. It's not going to be easy. But I'm not doing this because this is easy. This is a fight that's worth having, you know, because we live in a republic and we deserve to have fair and honest elections. We deserve to have a process where the government is responsive to the we the people. And it is totally unacceptable. Bill Jones said it used to not take three weeks to register a business. Under his watch, that never was allowed to happen. He had matrix and the the employees knew about those matrix. It's laziness at the top that has created the the bad government that we have right now. And, you know, there are I, I can't tell all my secrets of what we're going to do, yeah, but uh, there, there there are plenty of things that we're going to be doing. We're going to be prepared to do to make sure that the secretary of state's office af- starting in January is going to be one of the best run uh, government offices in so the why, state of California. Why, you, you were a successful attorney and a businessman. Why did you choose to run for office? This well, is a big step. That well, well, in 2016, right after the elections, uh, we had a recall in the state of Wisconsin. I'm not a recall. We had a recount right. in Wisconsin and Michigan. The presidential, you know, Jill Stein was challenging, and I was one of the first attorneys that they called to get out there and protect the vote, make sure that no games were being played. And as a result by that, I got, you know, some national attention and some uh, election law attorneys in California said, Mark – we need you to run for secretary of state. And I gave them all the reasons why I didn't need to run for secretary of state. But they said, no, Mark, you've, you know, ever since you're 15 years old, you've been involved in politics. You understand politics. You've run presidential level grassroots campaigns. You, you know how to, you know, the secretary of state is one of the hardest races in the state to raise money because you do not have legislative authority. It may be one of the most important races, but it's one of the hardest races to actually raise money for. And, you're going to be able to get the most out of it because of your knowledge of how to run efficient campaigns, how to run grassroots campaigns, and you happen to also know election. You're you're an election law attorney, so you can articulate election law violations without sounding like a tinfoil hat specialist. And how long have you been a Republican? I've always been a Republican. And tell me about uh, the conservative nature of California seems to have its own brand. You know, if you're conservative in California, it could mean certain things compared to conservative in Texas or Wyoming. I I actually disagree with that. I mean, if you look at the polls, I mean, we we haven't finished counting the ballots yet, but I have almost 1.5 million votes here in the state of California. You know, Ted Cruz and Greg Abbott in Texas, in red Texas, got 1.4 million votes. There are more conservatives in California than there are in Texas. It's just that we may be a little bit outnumbered. And why? because we're outnumbered, we're not getting our message out. And the thing is, we are seeing, I talked at the start of the show, about 39% of California Democrats who do not like the direction the state is going. We got the repeal of the gas tax that's going to be on the ballot this November. There are some political tide shifts going on that is giving us the opportunity to now go out and talk to our neighbors and say, hey, do you want fair elections? Do you believe dead people should be voting? Do you believe <laughs> that people should be allowed to vote more than once? And when you talk to the rank and file, you know, we saw in 2016, even though the state of Oregon and Washington elected Hillary Clinton, they voted for Republican secretary of states. So we are seeing that people are are going, wait a second, my vote They're matters. I want my differently. Yes. Can you tell me about uh, in, in just the next minute or so? Businesses leaving California at record paces. Is there anything the Secretary of State can do? We have lost time and again 
some of the latest green energy businesses are moving just over the border to Arizona or to Nevada, whether it's Tesla or whether it's its competitors. Uh, they're building their factories with hundreds, if not thousands, of employees outside of the state of California. There's a great website called HowMoneyWalks.com. I've heard it. I've watched it. Looked Amazing. At, yeah. You'll see the dollars shifting out of California into various other places. Anything the Secretary of State can do to keep those businesses here? There's going to be very little that I can do, but, I mean, if I do clean up the, the process of registering a business, you know, that first interaction, if I make that process a little bit easier— you know, maybe the the person, the small business, you know, they may go, you know what, it, I, it's real easy to register a business here in California. That's the first step. Yeah. First it's going to take it's going to take it's going to take the, the entire legislature to change it. And that's why it's going to be important to elect like John Cox for governor. You know, he needs to get in there and really change the environment from the top down. Folks, that's Mark Moisier, also supporting John Cox. Good man. Uh, somebody else we're hoping to have on the show here coming up. Thanks for joining me in the Total Financial Hour. My name is Arif Hallaby. Folks, I want you to go to, to our website. It's www.tfswealth.com, tfswealth.com, if you have a comment. But you can also, if you want to get involved and help Mark win, you can go to markmoiser.com. It's spelled M-E-U-S-E-R, M-E-U-S-E-R. You can always go to give us a call and we'll send you the info. 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Arif Hallaby. Thanks for joining me on the Total Financial Hour. On your place, for news and information, AM870, The Answer. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now, The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.